Are you ready to go? Yep. Hello everyone and welcome to the first live stream of FPL script. This is the international break episode and season two episode 10 of the podcast. I'm your co-host JD also known as at the red Schadenfreudist on Twitter with a one instead of an I. Um, well, this has been quite a boring international break so far, I think, yeah. except for maybe the world cup of crisps and the world cup of most annoying people uh, or Twitter personalities that's been going on. But, uh, and also I think Fran is participating in some, uh, taskmaster challenge that, uh, maybe he can talk about later. Uh, he, he, apparently he won the second challenge that was issued the yeah. contestants. So, so good on him. Yeah. And other than that, uh, both of us had smashing game wickets. Fran, of course, played the wildcard and he will take you through how his wildcard went. Uh, for me, I also got, I think about a hundred percent green arrow. I didn't play my wildcard. I've kept it for uh, game week 10 as of now. So uh, for anyone listening on the podcast, I had Turner uh, in goal, Trippier, Pedro Poro, Saliba. So clean sheets, essentially. I know Trippier didn't get a clean sheet, but six points. And in midfield, I have Madison, Bruno Fernandes, vice-captain, Son captain, so captaincy blank, Mbomo, and Sterling, uh, who was the star of my team. And strikers, I had Alvarez and Holland, who both blanked, obviously. Which was a good thing because uh, at least Holland blanking was a good thing because both of us had bet against his massive EO and it didn't even feel like we got away with it because he didn't get a sniff in the game. So uh, it's a good move, uh, looks like it in hindsight as well as in foresight. Uh, and yeah, uh, looking forward to Gaming Wildcard, uh, Gaming 10 Wildcard. How about you, Fam? Yeah, so I think um, my week was interesting because by Saturday, I actually thought I had a terrible week because Sterling had hold. I had owned Sterling yeah. previously. I had even owned Pickford previously. So the only difference really with your team that did really well, 61 points you did, um, was the fact that I had Dallow in place of Saliba, but then obviously Pickford had three points, you know, over Turner, for example. So that was some points and then Madison was another player that I didn't own. I would have probably continued to own Rashford, which would have looked a lot worse um, in hindsight. So I, I think because I captain Salah, you know, I'm feeling a lot happier about my week. But yeah, there was a point obviously at Saturday where I thought the week was terrible and the wild card was outcome terrible. But I'm sort of happy that I did move on through certain players and also sort of invested into for example, a Spurs team, which I'm quite happy with. Because I understand substantially, I think when I look back at the wild card, that whatever week you're wild carding, you know, eight, nine, ten, it's really you're you're sort of tripling up on on different teams, right? For example, eight is sort of a week where you triple up on Spurs. Nine, you could argue <laughs> it's a week to dip back into United. Ten is is a great week to go into Arsenal, but you could already just invest already by um game week nine as well. So that's why when we look at a game week nine wild card, for example, I, I think people who have the chance to do so probably won't be jumping into United, as I mentioned, just because of their performances so far, as opposed to, let's say, rejecting the, the fixtures outright. It's just the reality that 
as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that United really are playing so bad that their baselines are actually dropping, and therefore it even yeah. makes sense to you know jump ahead of the curve, go for Arsenal assets now. So, kind of happy I jumped off of those United assets, um, but I'm I am still, for example, in a bit of a conundrum in terms of I do think Richarlison obviously has to be my transfer out, but the question is going to be uh, who I take out as well so that I can move Richarlison into Saka. Now I have a couple ideas. Um, it's really just Trippier out uh, for someone like Gabriel or Sun out for someone like um, Saka. And then Mar- Richarlison can can be Martinelli, for example, in the Sun example, and obviously in the Trippier example, just to pair up Gabriel and Saka um, and switch out Trippier, which feels actually a little bit worse now. It is actually my top line on review, but uh, I'm actually leaning towards potentially Martinelli um, and Saka in, in my mind, just because I think Martinelli's minutes will be quite good for the time being. Yeah, uh, sorry, uh, just saw that Spain has scored again. Yeah. So, just for context, both of us are massive Spain fans. And finally, good to see that we are beating Scotland. And uh, before Fran, Fran proceeds, one big news from an FPL point of view was that Robertson has apparently broken his arm. Or there's like a potential for a serious injury in that game. So, uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, also, FPL Mess says, good morning, good morning. Uh we're going to be uh, looking at the chat as much as we can, but also I don't want to interrupt Fran's uh, flow of thought. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Obviously, yeah. morning to Mez and good evening to Mo, who's um, following Spain's game right now. I think uh, Ojan Sansei just scored. So, and also apparently that this this Erling Haaland guy is actually scoring goals. So, quite a shock to me actually, mm. given that I wildcarded into him. Really good player, I've heard. Mm. Um, but yeah, who knows? Some people Maybe. say not so optimal, but you know. Yeah, maybe a um, differential captain yeah. against Brighton is on the cards, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That 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 three percent of ownership that he's lost is it's going to take a beating on his effective ownership next week. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. But actually, I mean, the 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 title of the show obviously it's it's a season review, um, an early season review. Not even hit the, for example, quarterly Q one target, but we Ooh. are here to to deliver on our earnings early. Fortunately, I think both of us have come into this week with green arrows, so we're, we're a little bit more keen on doing this than, than some might yeah. be. But I think yeah. um, what we have chosen to do, of course, is use a variety of tools from Surtalp's website. So Surtalp, obviously, um, Surtalp Bilal on Twitter, his website, FPL Optimized, has a fantastic array of tools that you can actually use to sort of picture your season. So I, I think... Um, it's definitely worth looking at in your own time, but we'll only be choosing a select amount of tools that we thought were quite useful, just as sort of springboards for discussion points. So the first one was actually going to be the transfer quality analysis tool. Now, what I've done obviously is selected uh, the option to show all transfers. So you can see from game weeks three to seven, because obviously I rolled on game week two, uh, what transfers I've done week to week and and what actually ended up being uh, foresight optimal as well uh, and hon- uh, and hindsight optimal. So as you can see, game week three was probably one of my big weeks where I went for uh, Sterling and Gusto as a transfer. So that's why both of them show up and both of them end up being hindsight optimal. It's not, I mean, well, technically Bowen is uh, hindsight optimal, but um, I don't think there was a world where I'd pass up on Sterling getting a lot of points. Um, I think it, it also shows hindsight optimal simply because Bowen ended up outperforming Sterling over, yeah, yeah. over the entire run, as opposed to, let's say, outperform Sterling within that singular week. Uh, but... Oh, no, no, no. So uh, just for context, it is actually just a singular week. So mm-hmm. I had a chat with Sartal about 
how the evaluations work. Okay. And he told me that both for foresight optimal and hindsight optimal, there is no context. So it's just in a vacuum of that singular game week. And let's say you spend two free transfers. It doesn't even consider like, could you have made two different free transfers and gotten more points out of it? Okay. Like for example, pivoting out of someone and then getting someone else in and then captaining them or something like that. You know, hindsight solves are kind of crazy because outcomes are equally crazy. So it's not that, which is why maybe uh, it's showing Bowen. I don't know if Bowen scored. No, but I, I, I think it has to Bowen. show the, the full range though, because Sterling outscored uh, Bowen that week. Sterling was the king of the game week. Okay, but uh, that's what I heard from Sartal today. So maybe uh, he yeah. can elaborate. Uh, could could be yeah, but I mean I I know Sterling for sure got nineteen points and Bowen got less. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, he was a player of the week. So there's no way. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So. Sterling. Yeah, I, fair enough. I think it's a useful tool though, just in the sense that I yeah. think Bowen was a reasonable transfer. Um, for some managers who are keen to sort of jump on to him, you know, because a lot of us have fond memories of Bowen. Um, but he definitely was not a transfer that was even remotely on my mind. Bowen actually, yeah, as it yeah. turns out, has something like 0.45 XG per 90, which is pretty mental. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we know his role might be subject to change in the future as well. So we'll see what happens there cool. too. Uh, but other transfers, obviously Gusto, nice being there. And then I got lucky once again with Alvarez, really you know, supplemented by the leaks, um, you know, the combo league really for Main Road and Luke. Um, and then the, actually, I think the, the one transfer I sort of regret from, from a hindsight point of view is clearly the Udogi one. And I didn't even really need to know that Van de Ven was the foresight optimal transfer, but it was more so, uh, the case that I could have actually gone for Trippier that week, but I decided to hold off on Trippier because I was still pretty hung up on Mbumo and thinking that he'd, you know, continuously do well nonstop. So I kind of parked that and I, I saw that Udogi, for example, at the time had, pretty much the same EV as Trippier as long as I adjusted Udogi's minutes because at the time he was still sort of, you know, 7TX min, something like that. Um, whereas I, I just thought I could get a little bit more short-term EV, squeeze that in, and it didn't work out. Um, so it is a sort of learning point for me as well. Like maybe if Trippier was actually good on that week anyways, because that week was Brentford at home, which is a reasonably good yeah. week. Sometimes yeah. if, let's say, Trippier is going to transfer down the line, why not? short circuit that for a week and then maybe do that instead. Um, it also turned out that I actually suddenly had to make even more defender transfers because Chilwell became a problem, which was fairly obvious to me and why Chilwell became a transfer out uh, to Trippier, which once again is one of my hindsight plus foresight optimal transfers. But Gusto's red card was the icing on the cake, which made Udogi an even worse transfer just because I was planning to actually play these Chelsea players when Udogi had bad fixtures and then actually bring and just play with Udogi, right, for the meantime. But it, it ended up being the case that um, Gusto and Chilo were both useless to me uh, by the time game week seven and eight happened. So unfortunately, I had to go Dallow, and I also cashed out of Dallow as well immediately on the wild card. So that's sort of been my sort of transfer quality so far. Uh, when I look at the Foresight Optimal, I don't think there's really too much I'm regretful of. I mean, I don't think uh, Van de Ven or, or Doughty were on my mind. Uh, we know, obviously, we talked about how I could have gone Taylor to Morris as well, which would have been probably the more elegant transfer as opposed to, let's say, Gusto to Dallo. Um, but yeah, I think so far I've been very, very lucky with my transfers, and it's nice to see that most of them have ended up being uh, Hindsight Optimal as well. Yeah, and I think, oh, before we proceed... Uh... Uh, hi to Peter in the chat and uh, Priyansh or FPL critic as well. Uh, it's basically turning into a skill issues uh, hang, chat hang, uh, with the number of uh, friends we have here. So welcome everyone. And uh, as far as uh, I 
skill issues. Yeah, I love that. So uh, is that my transfer? Okay, yeah. So for, for my transfer quality analysis, it's uh, first thing that I love is every single one of those is foresight optimal. So I suppose I don't have to worry a lot about uh, my decision-making process. I'm just kidding. Of course, there are something that can be improved always. Uh, but I think the key point for you is you didn't get a chance to dead end, right? I think that must be your yeah. only regret because yeah, yeah. you decided to wildcard suddenly. So if you were to do it all over again, I think that would be probably be the only thing that you would change in terms of, uh, I don't even know if it's planning out because like the Gusto red card was so sudden that you, I mean, and the Chilwell injury as well, right? Because I'm sure you had a contingency plan where if he hadn't gotten injured versus Fulham, did he get injured? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't have to deal with that because I sold Chilwell before yeah. the injury. Because I just, oh, okay. I just, just I just knew he was an X-Men's wrist as soon as I saw the first yeah. benching. Um, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Which was but, but okay. foresight optimal. So, yeah, 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 yeah. fair enough. So, uh, for me, I think uh, Watkins to Alvarez turned out to be optimal because Trippier scored so many points, but ultimately hmm. uh, Watkins has returned in every single week after I scored him, uh, sold him. I think he scored like 9, 23 and 5 in the three weeks that I've sold him. But of course, Trippier has also scored 18, 12 and 6. So if anything, Trippier has uh, beaten Watkins by one point. So ultimately, my transfers have given me a net positive in terms of points as well. Also in terms of EV, obviously, because uh, 23 points in one game where two of your goals are supposed to be ruled out by VAR is quite mad, if I'm being honest. So I I think that's pretty much all. So for example, hindsight optimal, the funniest one I saw was Havertz to Jensen, uh, which is, uh, see, I, I love those kind of weird <laughs> hindsight optimal moves that it shows because there's no way, there's no world where I'm doing that. But uh, I think for a couple of weeks, it almost felt like I was chasing points because I transferred in Sterling after his Luton Hall. I transferred in Alvarez after he got uh, one goal, two assists against Fulham, I think. He scored, what, 14 points in that game, I think. So it, it kept looking as if I was chasing points, but of course I was chasing EV. And then with the Trippier transfer, it turned around, kind of. So <laughs> Priyan says, hindsight optimal is the real grass. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So moving on to uh, who do we have next? Do you want to go to the next slide? Yeah. yeah. All right. So this is uh, my sort of point distribution uh, per event type. So actually not so bad because I think at the end of the episode, you'll get to see my little pie chart on X-Men's and you can probably say that I, I don't think I'm, or I don't think I've been that poor in terms of uh, judging X-Men's. I think when I actually look back at my season and obviously look, and this is real men's, right? So this is sort of your outcome minutes. I think I have been pretty hard done by the Gusto red card. Um, because even, for example, like evaluating the EV of someone who doesn't play 60 minutes as a defender just completely tanks and nukes my sort of MD grabbed uh, for that week, even if you look from a men's perspective. And with Gusto, yeah, I mean, early red card, that was a, a skill issue. Um, but, you know, that's just, just pure hindsight. Whereas the foresight skill issue that I really had was um, with the calling of Jao Pedro's minutes on game week three. This was when, before the embargo press conference, I think it was pretty clear that Deserbi alluded to the fact that he might be benched because he said Ferguson would start in response to a question about Ferguson and Jao Pedro. So either you, you, you interpret that as Deserbi missed the point or, or, or didn't feel like he, he needed to say Jao Pedro started, or you read that 
as it is almost a matter of fact where it, it was pretty much intonating a Jao Pedro um, bench. Now, what mm. happened actually is that I could have played Saliba ahead of him, which was Saliba versus Fulham. It ended up being the case that Saliba got one point, and I believe Jao Pedro also got one point because he was a late sub. Um, but yeah, that was probably the only call of the season from a minutes perspective um, where I struggled. However, yeah, I think Gusto overall is not really a skill issue just because of the red card. I think it is, you know, a justifiable red card, although red cards and yellow cards, they're a bit subjective nowadays, apparently based on every single Premier League game that I watch. Yeah, I but yeah, um, yeah. Th those being the worst decisions, not really, not really something I'm too worried about. No, and also I think, and of course, these are intangibles that you really should not worry about because even if they don't even out, there's no way to capture them. But Liverpool, for example, have been getting the brute end of the stick when it comes to referees for the past few weeks uh, with players getting sent off that shouldn't have gotten sent off and ultimately affecting the game state. So you cannot calculate the effect of that and nor should you try to do that. But at least you should be aware that some of these things, when you look at it in hindsight, are so far beyond your control that you shouldn't even spend any time worrying about it. So as long as, as you said, like, for example, if you discount the Gusto red card, your minutes reading has not been bad. It's been pretty much up to the up to par or maybe even better than average reading of experience. Because if you look at that, so um, the reason we put that up is primarily to gauge our minutes, like how many minutes our players have played. Yeah. Because neither of us have played our triple captain, so there is uh, every reason to look at... Uh, we, we can compare minutes, basically. So... 83.4 minutes per player is not bad, uh, especially given the number of rotations and number of uh, players that have been at risk, that have been fairly popular in FPL this season, uh, including Kai Havertz. So you didn't get to experience that, by the I way. Didn't, I, yeah, I, didn't the... I didn't tank his minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I experienced that one week where he got sub 360 and that was hard to take because Sterling obviously scored 19 points in that week and uh, it was terrible. So... Uh, is that mine or is that yours? Uh, I can show yours now. So this yeah. is yours. Yeah, so this is mine. So as you can see, you know, I'm pretty much happy with 85 minutes per player uh, that I've gotten as of now, uh, which is the end of eight, eight, eight weeks. And other than that, uh, hits, of course, both of us have not taken a single hit this season, which I'm pretty happy with. Uh, in a In a season where COVID is not really a factor and you're playing 10 games every week and you know where the blanks are and double game weeks are, you would hope to take as few hits as possible. So, fairly happy with that as well. Uh, other than that, this is a fairly descriptive table, so not much to conclude from this. Uh, I guess the Onana clean sheet in game week one was jammy. Uh, wasn't as jammy in, uh, against Burnley, I think. Game week five, uh, that was pretty... I wouldn't say well-deserved, but at least Burnley didn't register a lot of XG compared to... I think Wolves definitely deserved something out of that game, so uh, I'll take what I can get, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Amduni obviously had a good chance, and I think they still outscored your XG, but we, we did discuss yeah, that, that on that's the that's what I'm saying. So, game yeah. state, if you look at game state, I yeah. still think Burnley deserved something from yeah. the game, but their XG was still pretty uh, low compared yeah. to what Wolves got. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. All right, shall we move on to the next slide? So this is actually my relative gain team of the year. So once again, obviously, I've toggled the option to show relative gain. Um, and as you can see, it's been pretty poor 
from the goalkeeping position. Also because I just simply missed out on Pickford's points last week um, and finally Ooh. enjoyed my first clean sheet somehow uh, with Turner. So a position where I think a lot of us put you know, great thought into it, even coming up with a Pickford-Turner pair, considering, for example, Flecken, um, probably skipping Johnson, to be honest, as well. And even, let's say, avoiding Ederson due to some last-minute Sam Lee um, passing by news that he mentioned where Ortega could obviously maybe take the, the starting position at, at various points, or at least that was considered between uh, the city brass. And some other managers, for example, like Priyansh in this chat, actually went for Ederson. And, and, and probably it was a very obvious move. Um, at the same time, I think, even by the review deadline, I, I think maybe because of obviously of Ederson minutes adjustments, it, it, it came out to be the case that variations of Pickford being the keeper was quite clear. And Pickford has, of course, performed horrifically. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much regrets. A lot of the relative gains in my team... Um, are owned, I think, within the analytics community, with exception to Gusto and Sterling. Because I think I basically have the opposite relationship with Sterling to you. You got Sterling's points after holding him for a long time. I got them immediately in the same case with Gusto as well. I even, for example, chose to, to play Gusto versus Bournemouth, which I think was um, suboptimal slightly on EV, but I just really don't rate Bournemouth as a team. And obviously that's probably an ongoing small bet that I have with you where we have um, slight disagreements over Bournemouth and Fulham as a team. Um, but all I have to say is I hope Priyansh really enjoys his Bournemouth football manager safe when they're in the championship next year. Um, yeah. And Trippier and Saliba, yeah, I mean, Trippier, I think I also got him probably a week before, a week after you did, so probably less relative gain there. And Bumo, yeah. just a, a flavor of the month pick for us really from the start of the game as soon as his price was revealed and, and even the, the position, which is even worse. Um, when it comes to players like Salah, honestly, I just enjoyed it last week. I haven't enjoyed Salah at all uh, previous in the season and his ownership is still ridiculously low, which means that I think, yes, whilst a lot of us in, in the analytics community were sort of battling between, you know, uh, different types of wildcard templates, what we are still and what we should still be able to gain from in the future is Salah effective ownership, right? Just the, the base ownership itself is going to be very nice depending on, um, you know, regardless of, sorry, the, the captaincy. And then Saka, yeah, unfortunately, is a very popular pick uh, amongst all circles. So no gains there. Fernandez, obviously, a bit more of a, an analytics pick, of course. Um, but as it turns out, of course, he's become a much better pick than Rashford simply due to minutes. And I don't think we could have expected um, this is to be so clear cut in for, uh, for Fernandez, who ultimately still has probably failed to deliver, right? Considering that um, he's very low owned. We've owned him for a long time. He's supposed to be one of the better picks in our team. And over effectively seven game weeks, yeah. he's delivered nothing for me. Um, however, Julian Alvarez, of course, another star of my season, someone that I was very, very fortunate to own. But also because I, I, I went divergent in game week three, it sort of also forced me into being able to to sort of seriously consider him as an option. And, and I was lucky, as I said, to get the minutes from then. And, and nice to also cash out before the Arsenal game where he only plays 68 minutes. Uh, and then Holland, as it stands, I think that there should be more effective gain to come because, you know, we talked about the 3% of people who have actually dropped him, yeah. but it, yeah. I'm just kidding, obviously. Um, and then Estupianja, Pedro, Pedro Porro, not exactly the best so far. Pedro Porro obviously was very close last weekend, but it's it's sort of a fresh own for me because I, I did own you doggy at one point, but it's not like he's been used at all for me. So, and then Pickford, of course, sitting on the bench. Uh, <laughs> another terrible pick. 
Yeah, so uh, while you were talking through your team, I also realized that it would be interesting to see uh, relative gains per game. Mm-hmm. And then you have a team where it would basically show you like outrageous short-term transfers that you made. Like for example, let's say you transferred Salah in right now. And immediately yeah. you got 20.1 exactly. points. Exactly, that's crazy. Which is kind of nuts. Because if you compare that to the rest of your team, they have some of them haven't even managed to give you that in 8 weeks. Yeah. Of course, because they are highly owned, but also because some of them haven't delivered as many points in bulk. So that would also be interesting to see. I'm going to try to see if I can get set up to add that as a feature because it would, it's just a fun thing. I don't think you can conclude anything based on that because obviously that anything that would show where you got lucky, I, I would say. Right, so something like relative to, gain per game week almost, like yeah, per, like per game week's who, owned, I suppose, yeah. Exactly, per, uh, how many games you played them and then... That average would be how you show the top 11 players in your team. Yeah. And so for goalkeepers, I suppose it would be the same because, I mean, how many goalkeepers are you going to own in a season, right? Yeah. So it's, it's not going to be that bad. But I, I, I am suspecting that, for example, Pedro Paulo, I'm going to sell after game week nine, might end up in that situation in my team because I would only be owning him for two weeks. Mm. Because his relative gains would be short or smaller compared to a season. But over two weeks, they might be one of the best. Yeah. So it's just something to... So you have no interest in holding him, is it just because he's a placeholder for an Arsenal defender? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the plan right now. Obviously, things can change between now and uh, game week 10, but yeah. The only thing that I'd say was quite interesting is that once I upped his minutes, and I think it's fair to up his minutes, he actually became yeah. less of a transfer out in terms of my sort of optimal review lines. So I, 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 right now, my plan is actually to keep him, but obviously things can change, as you said. No, but I think also you you don't want to now spend spend three transfers on him, right? For yeah. me, it's just one final chance to see if I can get better value in that. That's period. true. Yeah. So uh, let's say I have somewhere else where I need point two, point three million. Then I would downgrade Paulo to someone like Gabriel, or if I need point one, I go to Zinchenko, something like that. I I haven't uh, fixated on anything yet, but as of now, I think those are my two options. If I were to downgrade, makes sense. Let's have a look at your team then. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So obviously, the biggest difference is Olana, uh, who has been a big differential for my team. And uh, Peter says that uh, he got twenty three point eight relative gain from Ederson. Although I still will continue to mock people that own Ederson just because of his price tag and the number of clean sheets they ended up losing. Yeah. So that's still kind of funny, even though I know they kept some clean sheets and people got a lot of points out of that. The, Inches that they lose is always much more funny. Um, anyway, coming back to this, I think Saliba obviously has been the star of my team. Uh, 28.1 points uh, is the highest in my team, and he's delivered every time I've needed him as an auto sub. Admittedly, I've uh, done the benching stuff where I played Botman, obviously, Botman was not going to play, and he was my auto sub, but you know, I still love doing that and getting him off the bench. Uh, and the clean sheet against Man City was wholly unexpected. So uh, it, that's obviously, I, I love that. And also, Trippier is, I think, similar as yours. Uh, did we get him in the same week? I think we did, right? Yeah, we might have now that I'm actually sort of reflecting on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because we got his 18 points. I think the only difference that week was I also had Botman. Yeah, you did have Botman, yeah. The second Newcastle defender. So obviously, Botman is also in there because I have him from game week one. And it was one of those transfers where I was not trying to be too cute but at the same time I was trying to anticipate a transfer down the line and trying to bring that 
to the front and maybe that has forced me into wild carding in a sense because let's say if i had gone with someone like yudogi i would not have used a free transfer on pedro paro and maybe i would have been in a position where i could have pivoted to sala much more easily and then kept my wild card for the future so small decisions like that sometimes build up to uh, one major decision which could be the case in this but you never know how it would have panned out if i had started with someone else um other than that i think the biggest uh, flag for my team is i have captain salt twice and he's blank twice so going against holland hasn't punished me too badly except for the xg rank that i lost uh, when he should have absolutely hauled against west ham with uh, 2.6 xg or whatever he got in that game i think three points something no no way was no, it not it, i don't think it was still more, more might not have been more yeah it would be just uh, just a punishment i think at that point <laughs> uh, <laughs> and other than that obviously sterling last week came in quits finally before i sell him this week and watkins and watkins is a very weird one because i have owned him when no one else pretty much owned him and now that everyone owns him i don't own him anymore so uh, good to get some points from him when he was winning penalties and not taking them and i saw a quote today that apparently he has been practicing on them and he said you never know when i would be back on them so if he were to get back on penalties before i own him that would be a travesty in him so i hope that doesn't happen but yeah that's pretty much it for my relative games. I've actually got a curious question because I think you know you, you know you mentioned that your wild card might be um you know fast forwarded because of some of the chances that you made and obviously some of the outcomes like for example Botman being injured and so on and so forth but yeah do you are you still for example getting that line where you're asked to go let's say out of Holland um and then spend two free transfers to go Watkins and Salah instead or is that no longer your top line? If you, yeah, if you choose so to go wild cardless, that's actually a great question, and I've honestly done this evaluation every single week as mm-hmm. I've come closer to game week ten, where I'm evaluating two lines. One line is uh, wild card game week ten, wild card. Uh, one line is don't wild card. Yeah. And for no wild card up and until last week, it was showing me exactly what you said, which was going out of Holland to Watkins and going out of someone like Bruno Fernandes or even Mbomo, I think, because I also had cash in the bank. Yeah. To directly go to someone like Salah, but now it's not suggesting me do that anymore. So, wow. for example, Salah okay. in is a move which is uh, slated for game week fourteen. Fourteen is just too far away. Yeah, I mean, and, I, I, and part I, of that is spurred on simply because of the blank. That's it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Uh, and uh, I should note that game week twenty, the, the provision to enter fixture probability is still not in yet on yes. the view. Yeah, it's not. So. Uh, if someone is trying to look that far ahead, I don't think it's going to work right now. I I don't think it's going to work anyway because it's so far ahead right now that you have to go through one more international break before you actually get to uh, game week twenty, I think. And then there's a, a whole stack of fixtures that are going to pile up. So that made actually cemented my decision for me because if there were two lines that are fairly close, one with wild card, one without wild card, I would. Tend to go with the one without wildcard, but now they are not close. Uh, I think the EV gap is if I use a DK of one point zero, I think the EV gap is twelve uh, or thirteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I expect it to grow once I adjust minutes properly because I still think there are some players, for example, Matt Turner, who is still on seventy X minutes, which I understand from a review perspective because you always have to factor in the uncertainty of someone like Blackwood Moss. Uh, 
taking his place. But when I am solving, I am solving with uh, an assumption that he is certain to start. Because Ariola is always there to cover for him if he loses his place. So that kind of helps me out uh, in terms of adjusting expense of those players. But yeah, great question. Yeah, it makes sense. And that's so interesting because obviously this time last week, I think, and what's even more interesting is actually this time last week, I think the souls were still very pro Salah, but it's one of those classic, you know, examples that solves are always point in time analyses. And, yeah. and, and yeah. Yeah. by the time the deadline came last week, it was very clear that Holland uh, plus Salah was optimal for me. And when I was sort of running some wild cards this week, I was still seeing Holland plus Salah, but on, on, on game week 10 wild cards that I'm sort of solving for now, I'm actually not seeing as much of Salah, which is um, something that's worth considering, I would say. Yeah, so Priyan is in the chat is saying Strakosha 3.7 starter for Brentford in game week 20. I don't think that's going to be the case because I think Flecken is going to be back. Yeah, I mean, so his, I mean, he's also a little bit rich to assume that he could drop twice more in price. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think FPL will allow that because that just breaks the game. I know they've made certain decisions, uh, for example, pricing in Buono the way they did, which all already kind of broke the game before it even started. But I think if you allow a goalkeeper to fall to a price like 3.7, it is going to get utterly ridiculous. Because if you see, as soon as Ariola became a starter, they didn't wait for people to transfer him in. They just started upping his price to 4.1, 4.2. And I'm pretty sure he's going to go up again. Yeah. If he keeps and, and he should, he should, up. because there he are 4.5 keepers who are horrible you know yeah um and areola's and that's why i also wanted to go areola turner simply because i i knew raya was game breaking but if you actually for example up areola's minutes which are also for example a little bit nerfed because there's still um a sliver of a probability that i think review puts in for uh, fabianski to come back into the team both of them are very very good picks if you just look at a very simple simple sort of test which i do with with uh, specifically defenders and goalkeepers which is just to look at their ppm uh, once you've adjusted their minutes. Um, yeah, so... and I think one more thing that we have discussed offline, which I think is very pertinent here, which is, sorry, which is, for goalkeepers, I don't trust modeling their EV to mm -hmm. the extent uh, to which I trust for midfielders, forwards, and defenders. Yeah. Because I feel like, for example, if you can squeeze value out of goalkeepers the way you are doing with Turner and Ariola who are now, I think, a combined 8.3 million. It's insane value with, as, for example, if you can uh, upgrade even one defender because of this combination over someone like David Raya, I think it is definitely worth it. As long as you know that one of those will keep starting. Because if both of them are, are uncertain, then that kind of uh, nerves their effectiveness in case both of them uh, are out of favor at the same time. But I think Ariola is pretty much the starting goalkeeper now. And I don't think there is a chance of being replaced because if you look at Fabianski's, Fabianski's age profile, I mean, he is now going to be clearly the second uh, second goalkeeper because uh, his age profile is somewhat to, uh, akin to Ben Foster. If you look at Ben Foster's uh, career towards the end, he was definitely the, playing second fiddle to uh, Daniel Backmore, right? Uh, at Watford. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I think, yeah, I think the logic of, for example, trying to spend as much money in the outfield if you have more confidence in, for example, the EV of outfielders makes sense too. But I, I do think Raya is generally game-breaking, and I think all of us... Within that, and you could obviously see, I mean, I, I immediately yeah. posted I wanted to go Raya Arola. Yeah. Um, half also assuming that I think I, I, I might have actually dipped into Haaland less as well, because that way you feel like you just want to win on all fronts, right? Because... Yeah um you're sort of taking a free risk on on all fronts um yeah, yeah. and and yeah so, so, so i'm curious to know one thing out of this so if you had gone let's say ariola raya instead of ariola turner yeah what would have been the sacrifice in your team do you remember what was the change um, so so the sacrifice would be i definitely couldn't squeeze Trippier into my team uh hmm. but obviously i was always on a madison draft so really the sacrifice was actually watkins versus alvarez uh okay. yeah so actually i decided for example to spend a little bit more money on watkins just because i'm more confident about the fixtures and the minutes ultimately and it's a safer play from that position to always go down i think from watkins because alvarez is always a future suggested transfer but it's not like i mean those fixtures won't change they're, they're still bad for for a city objectively so i just thought yeah i'm just go watkins short term um and i don't really mind even squeezing richarlson which is basically another sort of punt that i went for because I knew Madison, for example, on every single solve was always going to be a transfer out. Even if, for example, I maxed out his minutes, like he was always just going to be a suggested transfer. So um, I, I thought I might just go actually trip here over Dallow, who I had less confidence in. And really the EV differences between, let's say, the combination of Dallow plus Richarlison versus uh, Madison and um, sorry. Dallow plus uh, Madison versus Richarlison and Trippier weren't too different. Uh, and ultimately, I, I, there was some upside to be gained with Richarlison playing more minutes. Although, of course, as it turns out, he only played 45 <laughs> due to another red card. Yeah, and also, uh, of course, no one can hold uh, the halftime sub against you because of the game state. But also, at the same time, I had mentioned my reservations to you about Richarlison even beforehand. Yeah. Not, maybe not effusively, but I think I had because... My only concern with Richardson always is that he is not indispensable. I think he's the first one that they will dispense off yeah. to change formation, change setup, whatever they whatever Ange wants to do. So only from that point of view, I was always worried. But of course, I never expected that to materialize so horribly for you. So I I'm not going to sit here and say that that was uh, a deserved outcome. Of course, it was not deserved, but. That does become a problem for you after game week nine, anyway, right? Because yeah, but as I said, nine, he's a two-week punt, though, right? Because yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so uh, if I had, let's say, if I had to make a similar punt, I think for me, going Richarlison would have made even more sense because I had a wild card to play. Yeah. So if I had gone Richarlison, I always knew I was going to get rid of him anyway without spending any free transfers. Hmm. Uh, and for you as well, it's not going to be that bad because. That spot, I think, is reserved for an Arsenal midfielder. Anyway. Yeah, it has so to it be. Doesn't matter. Exactly. So it doesn't matter who is being replaced, in a sense. It's just who are you replacing that spot with. And as long as it's Saka or Odegaard or both, if you make two midfielder transfers, I think it's still going to be pretty much positive and hopefully outcome uh, points positive as well. Yeah, I mean, it's nice in the sense that, for example, now I have some sort of optionality between switching between either Son or Trippier. Um, because you can argue both of them have worse fixtures, but not not so bad where you can say you can't keep Sun after 10 or you can't keep Trippier after 10. Um, and now with, for example, Robertson being out, I don't even think there's really a place where you want to spend that sort of money in, in the defensive position outside of Trippier. And a lot of us still own, for example, Trippier 
at like a 6.5, 6.6, that sort of price point. So he still feels like a very cost-efficient defender for the time being. Um, but I, I can understand yeah. people selling, you know, either Trippier or Son on 10. And, and that's just the reality of our draft situations and structures. Like you have to afford a little bit more money to get these Arsenal picks. Um, and let's say if, if Saka feels like he's someone who's a little bit of a doubt for game week 10, you've always got Odegaard because that just gives you more pen share if Saka's out mm. at any point mm. in time. So a lot of considerations to be made, but really all the transfers are sort of aimed towards Arsenal. And then I think as I see with some of my souls, the next best opportunity to bring in Arsenal players is, for example, game week 14, if you don't already have a triple up by 10. Um, and that's the same case with, for example, going for other picks like uh, Palmer or even Mbumo if you've decided to take him out of your team. So I think a lot of us, for example, even the chat here, have sort of made the, the call to go Diaby, which I think is obviously very much so against review, but probably mm. um, maybe a bit more supported by other models and, and just in general, I guess, people who um, <clears throat> don't necessarily vibe with Brentford for the time being. Um, and yeah, there's also decisions as well that some other people made, for example, myself, where I went for Gordon, um, some others went for Neto, Palmer, these sorts of picks. So I think you're seeing a little bit more diversity, even in with the, the Salah Holland drops, just because people have taken different stances on that sort of budget, uh, midfield slot. Although as it turns out, obviously on Boomer and Gibbs White, those two picks have beautiful fixtures in game week nine. So that's going to be a little bit source of concern and FOMO for me for those two picks, mm. but Ultimately, Mbuma with another price fall in the future, even, for example, Saka getting a price fall potentially as well, and Botman, that's going to really help a lot of the people who um, wildcarded out of those picks but might actually want to bring them back in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if, speaking of uh, Morgan Gibbs White playing Luton, uh, we've actually looked at the three hit nine draft. Yeah. Uh, and what review suggests right now based on... Do you want to have a look at it now? Default, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, default yeah. minutes. And it's just something because we found a number of people uh, <laughs> sort of suggesting that 389 could be a real possibility, which I find preposterous uh, because I think most of us own majority of these assets anyway, even without a free hit, even without free transfers, I think, yeah. for the majority of them. Especially if you've just wildcarded, so it just makes no sense. But for anyone listening on podcast, it's Strakosha, Turner in goal. Niafate, Share, Burn, Taylor, Trippier. So triple Newcastle defense. Uh, in midfield, it's Salah, Son, Mbomo, Parnach, Morgan Gibbs-White. And uh, the forwards are Holland, Mubawa and Alvarez. So if you look at this, I think for my team, it's, uh, it's like seven or eight players in my team already. So, uh, for you, I think it, it must be something similar, but it could be slightly lower because you just wildcarded out of Mbomo and Farnach. Yeah, it's actually just five so, for me. Just five. Yeah, five. Yeah, but but uh, the alternatives are not half bad either. So, if you look at... Exactly. Like, uh, I mean, everyone has a home fixture this week. You exactly, must have at least exactly. 13 players in your team with home fixtures. That's just yes, how yes. these fixtures have unfolded. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, essentially, this was... Uh, just to separate it out from our next week's podcast, where we are going to obviously talk about gaming nine, but I don't think this is a serious consideration for anyone yeah. who is who has planned their transfers carefully, because whether you are dead ending in gaming ten, whether you just wildcard in gaming eight, or whether you want to wildcard in gaming nineteen, for all these three scenarios, you are pretty much well covered for this weekend. Moses, Simakas might interest you. Yes, and I had this conversation with Fran as well before uh, we heard about Robertson 
breaking his arm or potentially getting a serious injury, which was that I've seen a lot of Liverpool fans complaining about Robertson's defending in general and him being responsible for a majority of the goals they concede. Now I know that the drop off from Robertson to Simicas is still uh, quite a bit in terms of quality and, and reliability, but um, in previous seasons we've seen uh, due to workload management, Simicas has been given games. Whereas here, there's not a case of workload management because Liverpool are not in the Champions League. So in Europa, they don't need to be as serious with their lineups. So I don't know what's going to happen. But now that uh, Robertson is injured, there is def- definitely a consideration for someone like Simicas. Uh, I don't know what you think about that. Oh, 100%. I think, I think you've got to just consider what the timeline is for Robertson being out because Simicas actually might even interest me as, a, as someone with a free transfer, right? Because the EV must be ludicrously good. Um, the yeah, issue, of course, yeah. is that we've brought in players like Cash, Dallow, Trippier, um, all, all these sorts of players will already have really, really good EV and, and mm. maybe you don't really want to dip in into the Liverpool defence um, unless you, for example, think Simicas is also going to be maybe as attacking as Robertson has been because um, you can still see Robertson actually bombard a lot in open play this year, which is a nice sort of role change from the sort of position he was almost playing in when, when Trent was sort of playing hi- hybrid back. midfield. Yeah, so so that yeah. has changed a little bit too. And I think also that's washed away some of the criticisms with Robertson's defending too, because he's sort of playing a little bit more of a freer role and, and has less defensive duties assigned to him. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting topic. We definitely have to stay tuned to that. But going back to the point about, you know, how this team is so close to you as a non-wildcard and me as a wildcarder, I think it just sort of speaks to why a lot of people sort of preferred 8 and 10 and why, mm-hmm. even though it makes sense for a lot of people who might be doing it on 9, because, for example, you know, Mez, who, who appeared on this chat earlier, she has been dealing with a lot of injuries in her team. Uh, and it was sort of a natural point to maybe switch into a Liverpool heavy sort of team this week right because if you have let's say mm. the confidence in liverpool the minutes of certain players this is a very nice start point uh, to jump onto liverpool because it, even if we look back at last week with exception to Salah, it's not like it was an amazing week for liverpool assets uh but a, a home fixture obviously here is very very different you're, you're expecting for example a clean sheet too whereas versus brighton you're not so um i think it's it's just interesting that a lot of us already spotted eight and ten as opportunities and this sort of backs it up as well as it turns out um and another thing i would say is i do think international breaks are totally overrated because yeah we're as priyansh says one of the downsides of wild card is we're set here and we're terribly bored um but but we could be spending some time drafting a wild card it's so yeah people always correlate the number of days you have between two weeks as uh correlating that to how many price rises you can catch but it's almost always never the case because if you look at the previous two days yesterday was the only one yeah. Only one that went up in price, no price falls, I think. No and the falls. day before, it was AZ and one more player. I think there were only two players who went down in price and yeah. no price rises. It is as barren as it can get, the landscape of price rises and price falls. So, if, if your sole reason to wildcard is international break and being able to catch more price rises, that's never the case. It, it almost feels like they try to keep this area under the curve the same. So basically, if it you have 14 days instead of seven, they just spread them up instead yeah. of bunching them. Like, for example, the, uh, the week before Wildcard 8 was, I think, the most insane week I've seen in terms of price rises and falls. Yeah. Because you can attest to that. You, you, your team value must have changed by more than 1 million for sure. For it sure. did. But obviously, because I invested into a lot of picks that I didn't have um, sort of value over previously, 
my my, yeah. my transfer value has dropped but we know obviously there's a difference between team value and and sell value so my yeah, my sell value obviously has increased a lot but i also made the decision to go out of madison so technically i've sort of robbed myself of um a little bit of sell value there and i as i told mm -hmm. you I, I actually kept yeah, madison yeah. over trippier sold trippier then bought trippier back um but i don't have major regrets over that you know substantially so it's it's fine and, and did you bring you bought trippier back for 6.8 right so yeah for 6.8 6 already and he's, and he's he's now. exactly and some people actually dropped them off right on a salah holland wild card but you, you just can't hold them all i, I kind of said this on a post on twitter where it's just like once you own salah holland you just you can't you can't afford them all like madison and trippier no. is not something that's negotiable if you also want to own sun so at that point you'd probably have to drop sun but yeah it's it's a little bit nicer owning sun because worst case scenario he's a placeholder for Saka as opposed to owning madison than actually needing to also save 0 0.7 to go madison to Saka, which obviously is a very elegant one free transfer situation uh, but you yeah. want sun as a fallback option just in case for example you want to do something even nicer which would be Saka and odegaard for the for the two of them as a pair uh and yeah I think one thing that's interesting about the free hits, obviously, is just going to be the minutes on Alvarez because he is the the one sort of South American player here uh, where you're looking at maybe his minutes being managed potentially. We've seen it yeah. already, a benching in, in Rebel Leipzig being an early sub just because I think Lewis, you know, creeping into those pockets now actually sort of maybe could hurt Alvarez uh, minutes-wise at times. And yeah, that could be an interesting little change option because of course at 7.0 first brighton at home if you give him good minutes he's going to be nailed in the drop but if you exclude him then it's actually going to be a lot harder to recreate this for example free hit team so one thing to consider as well uh when you're thinking about mm. best picks mm. for game of nine so that's an interesting point actually so for i'm uh assuming that if you let's say exclude alvarez or if you reduce his minutes enough so that his ev drops i suspect that Solanke. The new free draft that you get, huh? Solanke, yes. <laughs> Solanke could be the one. Or the other option is it pivots to Watkins and turns even more into a game week wildcard, uh, uh, game week eight wildcard draft. Mm, yeah. which, which makes sense because that's exactly how majority of the wildcard, uh, game week eight wildcarders have set up. What they've done is they've made room for Watkins by some of them by selling Alvarez, some of them by just going from maybe someone uh, like Morris uh, to, yep. to someone like Watkins and, and in that process taking out money from some other position. So it, it absolutely makes sense. But I think as soon as you said Solanke, I, I, I thought to myself, yes, yeah, that he will be there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, the last thing we have to look at is really just you fortunately managed to take screen grabs of our team um when the season review feature was still live on fpl review yeah. so i've got my pie chart first <laughs> what are yeah. the most interesting pie, pie charts that i i've seen so far so for, interestingly i've grabbed a lot of md which is now based on post minutes so it's nice to see that my x-men security is absolutely toilet so a case to make as well i think review mentioned on twitter that i think a little bit less focus has been put onto um getting the default x-men's you know up to standard this season i believe he's actually yeah. outrightly said that um so it makes sense that my x-men security is that low because i'm also someone who always adjusts mins non-stop um yeah. and as yeah. i said i, 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 I have made yeah. mistakes with for example Jao pedro you know so to speak uh but beyond that i think i've i've been as we saw even with the the fpl optimized sort of um point distribution chart that my minutes have been okay so far, as it turns out. So that's correlated, fortunately, into some nice MDEV. Um, 
but you know there are things to work on as well and we're probably also expecting to get xg data shortly at one point this season and maybe we can sort of reflect on that when that comes out um, but yeah something that i'm also clearly lacking in is outcome variability although I'm, I'm certainly not lacking in luck for the time being um although i think things have changed since game week five because i actually had two red arrows after that and then one green so maybe the luck would have dropped a, a touch as well um, but yeah, outcome variability is something that may, might be tied down to the fact that I own triple Chelsea, all triple Chelsea assets, you know, requiring clean sheets as well. I owned Arsenal assets as well, maybe an additional one on top of a lot of people because I owned Havertz and Saka to start the season with mm. and also Saliba. So another triple up there. Plus, I also owned Bruno Rashford until quite recently. So I have been sort of, in a sense, hedging with certain teams, top teams, maybe United, not so much right now, but um that has been the case in my season and i i think it's also partly because maybe i i rejected spurs um out out of just wanting to see how they would actually look like as a team which i think a lot of analytics managers sort of took that approach too we sort of cautiously invested into spurs as opposed to when you for example look at let's say the analytics elite charts that sometimes show the ownership of players versus the mm. traditional elite I think a lot of people started the season off with someone like a Madison, uh, maybe not a defender per se, but obviously we're happy to jump on to a defender quite quickly as well, as, as, including Sun, which were all picks, for example, that I've uh, rejected myself. I even own, for example, double forwards within the city position, and I have owned them yeah. for quite a while up until last week where I owned uh, Holland and, and Alvarez. So that's probably why outcome variability has been low. But I, I also think sometimes it's just been the nature of the season. You start off, you see the fixture run, you own certain assets. So I think as the season will develop, that outcome variability will inevitably change. And I'm sure it will, given the fact that I've wildcarded to a substantially different team. But that's all I have to say, I, really. Well, uh, one thing to talk about outcome variability is I don't think there's anything to target within that. I think yeah. that's just a consequence of your decision-making and how your team is. So obviously, we always focus on EV and... Uh, I think both of us focus on minutes as well. I don't think everyone focuses on minutes as uh, as much as we do, as much as we do. But I certainly think there's an emphasis on um, EV for, for everyone who plays analytically. And one thing that uh, was actually uh, extremely unfortunate was the fifth midfield position for most of the people in analytics has gone so badly in terms of both of us starting with Havertz, others starting with Richarlison and not getting anything for uh, till for example you transferred Havertz out to Sterling in game week 3 and for me that luck continued till last week Yeah. so game week 8 was the first week where I got a return from that midfield position in my team and I think for even for you right game week 3 was the only uh, game week where you got a return in that position till you went exactly back. yeah and obviously yeah, that competing so, position is versus Matoma right a very popular pick or even Madison because Madison yep. has got to yep points in multiple game weeks in pockets. It's not like he's just delivered in one or two weeks. So those points and Mitoma, I think Mitoma is the worst case where he got some down and then scored two and got three bonus points uh, in that game. So that that was a nightmare uh, in game week six, I think. So in that sense, absolutely, we uh, we will take <laughs> we'll take the EV, but at the same time, if some of the other picks had stayed quiet, it would have gone much better. Yeah, yeah. And let's actually have a look at your pie chart then. Yeah, so as Fran pointed out, this is at the end of game week 5, uh, September 26th, 2023, when uh, review decided that the review season review tool needs to go on a diet, and it's still on a diet. 
So uh, it's going to need some of that keto thing or, or maybe some Mozambic to get rid of uh, from that excess fat. Anyway, so if, if we look at this pie chart, I don't know how I have so much outcome variability, by the way. I, I need to ask a review exactly how I've managed to uh, achieve this much outcome variability because I'm trying to think of, I have thought of certain scenarios which have contributed to that, but I am not exactly sure why that has happened. Um, I think similar to you, the points chart is obviously much more, uh, much higher than the, the EV chart. Uh, but my X-Min security is good. But as you pointed out, I am pretty sure as soon as I saw the word X-Min instead of minutes, I am pretty sure that they are still using x -min. And because review said that it's either maintaining X minutes or maintaining the site or basically closing it down. Uh, those were his two options. So keep maintaining, uh, drop the maintenance of X minutes or close down the site. So if, if it is that extreme of choice, obviously you go with uh, dropping uh, the close scrutiny that was being put on X minutes. So I just think that's um, something that we can ignore for now, unless uh, yeah. they change it to minutes. Because I'm only interested now in seeing how the minutes turn off. And we've already seen that in the point distribution graph where Fran has around 83 minutes per player on average and I have 85. So we already have a sense of how good of min, uh, minutes peak each of our player has been. And other than that, I, I mean, obviously I, I want to shoot for more EV. I think uh, a couple of people who were in the chat today had definitely have definitely higher EV than the two of us. And we can for more uh, EV-centric approach, but at the same time, I think something like your booster red card or for me the kai Havertz substitution 360 are events that are beyond your control and because ev is based on minutes as soon as that thing happens your ev is stacked and there's no way to recover in that it's not as if uh, you've banned that ev and because that's what used to happen right uh, in previous seasons let's say someone got benched all of a sudden the first thing that people used to discuss in analytics uh, group chats is I've banked the EV already, which is obviously a, a kind of a reassuring thing, right? Because that thing was not in your control. But at the same time, um, I'm on the side where I prefer minutes. Even though they introduce some noise into EV, I still prefer them because I want to be rewarded more for my reading of minutes, more than I want to be punished for, let's say, getting one reading wrong or getting uh, an event in the game which led to me getting those experiences wrong. I would much rather prefer that than just depend on X-Mins, which are done by a hive mind that might not know something that I know. So I definitely uh, believe in, in using minutes instead of X-Mins. And also the admin work uh, is supposed to be simplified a lot. So if that is the case, then I'm all for it. If it, if it is not at the cost of significant accuracy. Uh, and I think you're the same, right? Yeah, because I was actually thinking about it again too. Because let's say... You've got, you're looking at default, you know, X-Men's EV. It's very hard to sort of see where you, you, you might have gone wrong. Whereas now, for example, even though I might not have grabbed the full amount of MD that I wanted, I kind of know directionally where sort of the issues have been. Um, for example, you know, Alvarez playing less minutes than we would have expected in the Nottingham Forest fi fixture, uh, the Gooster Red yeah. card, things like that. It's, it's so much easier to ident identify, like looking back, like what could have lost my MD, whereas last season, I think, because we we're looking at default X-Men's, and for example, you saw the difference and the disparity between our charts, me going with maybe, I would say, picks that required a little bit more expense adjustments to get to. It's so hard to, to see whether, 
you're even applying that sort of skill correctly. Whereas now, for example, because I know my MD is quite strong, I can look back and just say, okay, um, to be honest, I've, I've just been hit by outcome in certain circumstances, as opposed to I, I have a terrible read of minutes so far, and that's ruining my MD. Um, I now know, for example, where, where my MD might be lacking in um, a little bit better is sort of the way I'm seeing it. But I, yeah, you, no, you, we all recognize that hidden barriers ourselves because we can review on our seasons, look at our moves and say, you know, I, I was unlucky here, but yeah. That, that is an, an interesting point because the other side of that sort of outlook is um, your variance, right? Yeah. For example, till last season, when you looked at variance, it was purely a collection of every single thing that went better than you expected or mm -hmm. worse than you expected. Yeah. or worse than the review but now what has happened is because it's based on your ed is based on minutes all of these events that are happening because of injuries uh game state changes they will never be captured as a part of variance exactly and you you have to sort of factor that into your ev when you compare and contrast with other people or let's say top managers that we rate because it's no longer a case of oh i've just been unlucky by looking at the buy chart your luck is now sort of divided across both EV and variance. Because some of that luck is now indelibly a part of EV. Yeah. Which again, as I said, I'm in favor of that because I want to be, my, my um, desire to be rewarded is more than my, my willingness to suffer punishment, I guess. Like I would suffer, I'm okay with uh, getting uh, hit by as you pointed out, the Alvarez substitution, or as I pointed out, the, the Harvard substitution, which I was uh, quite angry about, but at the same time, I thought, okay, when I look back at the season review, as you pointed out, I can just uh, consider those factors. And of course, they are they are not going to be tangible factors. Like I can't quantify them, but at the same time, I can say, okay, if these events had not occurred, maybe we are looking at something. But at the same time, you don't know what hasn't occurred with your team. So for example, if there are events that have occurred outside your team, you might not remember them. So it's slightly tricky yeah. and I get the argument for using X-Mins, but I was always feeling that the X-Mins did not accurately reflect reality in in many situations. And so that is, I think, the main reason why I and you as well are in favor of uh, using X-Mins. Uh, yeah, the best example, sorry, the ex best example that I can give is like Chilwell's second benching, right? Um, yeah. versus Aston Villa. So I think by the first benching, it was very clear once again, and it kind of reminds me of my own issue where I didn't listen to Zerbi in the first press conference where it was kind of clear that Jao Pedro might be benched. I don't think Pochettino gave any sort of clue at all um, that Chilwell deserved to be still within the starting 11. And so a lot of people mm. misread what the commentators said, which was that Chilwell had a knock or that he was ill. Um, mm. Whereas Pochettino didn't make any sort of reference to that. And I think such a good compare and contrast is when Sterling, for example, was awkwardly benched um, due to being ill in game week seven, it was very clear that he wasn't in training for three days. Pochettino spoke about it, spoke about why he wasn't mm. in the team. Mm. And subsequently mm. he plays and starts the next game. Whereas with Chilwell, um, sitting on the bench versus Bournemouth and also very clear when you listen back to the press conference that I think people overread the quotes on Mudrik and also underread actually the quotes about fullbacks um, which obviously Chill was a part of the problem with right within that certain game so I think that it's um it's probably more helpful actually now that we don't have default minutes because because usually what happens with minutes is is 
the default minutes uh, in previous seasons, you know, they don't get out, uh, adjusted until you see, for example, a subsequent bench because you don't know how to react to the first one. But sometimes you do get enough insight from a manager, in my opinion, to to sort of make that gut a call. Um, and, and if you're wrong, obviously, you can kind of adjust for that. But sometimes I do think there, there are signs there. And being rewarded for that feels quite nice, in my opinion, as someone who went Chilwell to Trippier on the week that Chilwell's benched the second time because I was able to react to, you know, stimulus in a sense. And, and, and I kind of got a good outcome from a men's perspective, moving Chilwell on to Trippier, not just, of course, the pure luck that was three assists uh, from Trippier. But that's all I have yeah, to say. Yeah, also, also for Game Week 6, I think we also talked about that on the podcast, I think the Game Week 5 preview, yeah. where we discussed the exact quote by Pochettino where he said that he's playing too far ahead and it's confusing the wingers. And yeah. when some, a manager says something like that, I'm taking that at face value because as, as you know, <laughs> okay, yeah. So uh, Peter is saying, take a shot every time. Fran reminds us he got Chilwell's ex move right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, okay, I'm I'm going to also gloat because I also sold him that same week and we did exact <laughs> exact same task. Yeah. So I, I'm also going to gloat about just that. a big but podcast think, debut. Absolutely, and also I think I think the bigger point for me to gloat about is what you mentioned, which I had completely forgotten, which was Sterling starting against Burnley. Mm, I spoke to so many uh, Chelsea fans and shout out to uh, FPL Jack, who was the only one and uh, stats that they were the only two uh, predictors in high mind who told me that they don't see Sterling being benched. Yeah. And I was myself, I was so sure that Sterling won't be benched because he is actually their best attacker. There is no doubt about that. I mean, Cole Palmer, but he's quite young. So I'm only considering established players. So yeah, in fact, I'll players... jump in actually just say on, on yeah. the jump the way prediction, Sterling only was predicted to start by exactly. less than 50% of predictors, which exactly. is once again an indication that I, I think that there's a lot of work still to be done. And, and sometimes yeah. obviously, look, 38 game weeks of decision making on minutes will probably average out to showing whether you've shown Fair aptitude enough. for Fair getting enough. minutes right or, or not. Because um, yes. I think if we ask everyone on this show, chat, including us, whether Gabriel started in game week two, we would probably all would have said yes, and he didn't. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you get these things wrong, but better to get no, things right also, most, most often. The domino effect was so crazy that every single week, uh, one Arsenal player kept getting injured till Arteta had only four players left to play in defense. <laughs> I mean, it almost got to that point. So uh, those events are completely out of the window. But uh, just to end on the sterling point, uh, some of the Chelsea fans also got into like heated debates with me on uh, WhatsApp group chats and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't want to like entertain that because I was so convinced whatever they said didn't matter to me. Like all of their points were centered around, oh, but Mudrik just scored a goal. Mm. So what? I mean, he, he's... Just take a he's screenshot Sterling's... of Sterling's points. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the one who gloats after <laughs> uh, points, but because I think <laughs> okay. the points speak for themselves, just <laughs> okay. like Hans Niemann said. That's you. So... <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think both of us are uh, in good modes because first of all, the green arrow, and I think we've had a pretty good start uh, on game week. And, and just to boast even more, I think our podcast is the best performing podcast out there right now, and I was rank of 90k. Yeah, so, and yet our podcast same, chat is all outperforming us, I believe. Riyaj, yes. Mo, and Peter yes. all all have better yes. better um, actual points than us as well. Actual points, so. absolutely, and and probably uh, better MD than us as well. So yeah, yeah, that's where the skill issue comes from. Yeah.
Well, I think that was actually a pretty enjoyable episode. Obviously, just a little bit of a break episode. Um, yeah, not much discussion really about the meta of FPL, but I think it's also nice to just look back at the decisions we've made so far, reflect on them. Um, in terms of you know game week nine, any sort of preliminary thoughts you have before we do you know next week's preview episode? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, just to reiterate, you know we will be coming back for next week mm, before yeah. game week nine, so this is not a game week nine preview. Yeah, um, certainly not. As Fran said, yeah, as Fran said, I think it was just uh, good to kick back and have a relaxed episode for a change where we are not worried about uh, misspeaking and then re-recording and then uh, you know just spending more and more time on the recording, just getting it out there and also testing out how uh, our stream is going to move forward in terms of having it at maybe every international break or whenever we feel like there's a large gap between game weeks, uh, we can definitely keep uh, on streaming like we have this week. But uh, for game week nine, I think making more transfers if possible and keeping a watch on the rest of the international friendlies or uh, international games would be the only thing I, I'm going to be thinking about because um, once we get to Friday, I would be looking at the one week punt uh, and then while cutting in game. Yeah, I think, I think you, you are, yours, yours is even easier, right? Because you just wild carded. Yeah. You just want to relax and, and uh, not look at any losses, right? Yeah, I believe the exact quote um, I, I, I sent to a friend yesterday was spending a free transfer after a wild card is odd behavior. But I, I mean, who knows? I, I could be one or two injuries okay. away from doing it because it's not like I have a very deep bench this week. Uh, mm. and maybe Simakas could be calling just in case, but no, I, I don't, I don't have any plans right now. Um, and, and hopefully Richarlison will, you know, recover from whatever Brazilian game he plays, gets that two extra days rest and hopefully just starts ahead of Brennan Johnson, just, just for that one last week. So he can send me off. Um, and if it doesn't happen, you know what? I just hope for a soccer price drop so I can go straight out of Richarlison, straight out of sun and go Martinelli soccer. Um, which Ooh, I can afford now. That sounds spicy. That so, yeah. sounds spicy. I think Martinelli is going to be a big part of the conversation. I think so. I mean, I, I did not actually know yeah. that he dropped to 7.7. It's it's quite crazy yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, to actually yeah. have seen that uh, because now he's going to give you a lot of diversity where previously I was only really thinking about Saka and Odegaard. I mean, Gabriel is at 4.7, first of all. Um, yeah. And if you don't, let's say, rate Arsenal's defensive fixtures, you can always pick him up on gaming 14. But from an offensive point of view, I, I think Martinelli and Saka are could be just as brilliant because, you know, for me, the upside is actually keeping Trippier, which I'm okay with it. As I said, it's it's a decision mm. between Trippier and Son, and I don't think mm. one, one necessarily is clear above the other. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, speaking of Simikas, uh, Kalinikstar, and have a good rest of your week. All right, take care, guys, and I'll see you guys in a bit.